Hey, Joe. Hey, Michael. Is Miles Morales' costume cooler than Peter Parker's? I mean, I guess it depends on which Peter costume, but the answer is yes. <laughs> it has to be, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's there's no version of... Because it's like, what's a cooler version of Miles' outfit? The symbiote? Like, it's just black and white kind of thing. Yeah. Miles' outfit's so cool. Yeah. Are you saying that, like, black costumes are, like, inherently cooler than most other costumes? I mean, no. Like, not for me, because I like color. You yeah. Know, like, I mean, I'll always love the red and, you know, the red and blue. How can you not? Yeah. But there's something very sleek and stylish about it, about Miles' outfit. Mm-hmm. It's like the V design of, like, the upper torso, right? Yeah. I'm a big fan of, like, the superior Spider-Man costume, too, and I think it's for the same reason. Yeah? Yeah. I think it's just, like, the sleek, like, shoulder and chest look. Mm, do you like the goggles? Are you talking about on the uh, on the superior Spider-Man costume? Yeah. Yeah, I kind of like, like, the weird, like, eyeglass kind of looking. Yeah, I, th- I mean, like, it's to differentiate that this is, like, Doc Ock, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm into it, yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't support, yeah, I wouldn't support them myself, but yeah. <laughs> so anyway, gang, um, uh, welcome to Pop the Culture Podcast, um, where we like to pop us some culture. And we're talking about uh, Miles Morales' Spider-Man run in the comic books. We're finally living up to our uh, to our promise of talking about comics. Yeah. Only 15 episodes in? Oh, something like that. <laughs> I, I just like and plus all it took for was us doing one of the most popular comic book movies of all time yeah uh you know as a natural follow-up to our spider-verse episode we thought it'd be fun to just you know we talked about spider we've talked about spider-man uh tangentially and adjacently there are a lot of our episodes just because we like it so much so we just figured why not let's just embrace it let's just love what we love and so we will uh just spend a whole series of podcasts talking about him uh, and for this episode, we're talking about uh, the star of Spider-Verse himself, uh, Bendis' boy, uh, Miles Morales. Yeah, so um, um, Michael, do you want to give us like a brief intro to the creation of Miles? Yeah, Miles Morales was originally conceptualized around 2008, uh, when there was a thought to create a basically more and newer interpretation of Peter Parker... As the saying goes, there was the thought for Miles Morales being black when uh, one and only Donald Glover wore Spider-Man costume on Community. Yeah. And that is why in Spider-Verse you will see a little cameo of uh, Donald Glover or his likeness uh, in his Spider-Man onesie during the scene where Miles is talking to his Uncle Aaron. But around that time, uh, Bendis, uh, Brian Michael Bendis famous comic book writer now at dc because he turned traitor uh, <laughs> and sarah bocelli a wonderful wonderful artist basically just drew up miles at this time because they were figuring you know what it's time for spider-man to change a little bit and what if we just killed peter parker yeah it's like an interesting um completion to peter's arc at the end of the day mm-hmm. he becomes uncle ben yeah um to miles morales mm-hmm. and like you said they wanted to change they wanted to like do something different you know reinvent the wheel basically and just kind of mm-hmm. have fun with it 
I don't think they ever intended Miles to be as popular as he is now. Yeah, there was definitely a, I mean, like, it's it's so weird to think that we were there for that like kind of beginning discourse of what Miles was set to become, because he was in the talks long before he first showed up. Yeah. Because I think people thought it was like a PR stunt of just like, oh, we're going to have this new diverse Spider-Man for like 10 issue, for like a 10 issue run. And then, you know, then he'll go away and be like, oh, remember when Spider-Man was, you remember when Spider-Man was black for 10 issues? Kind of like that one time, you know, they made Superman black for 10 issues kind of thing. And then that went away and went back to Peter kind of thing. But instead, Miles was much more permanent. You know, Miles has entered main Vogue and canon in a way which I don't know if they intended he would. No, not at all. If you read Bendis's farewell to to Miles, so like his last issue that he wrote, he wrote a long letter at the very end. And no, mm-hmm. they, they did not expect him to be as popular as he was. They were like Bendis was just like, we're just going to try it. We're just going to mm-hmm. do this because we can. Yeah, because the ethos of the uh, of the ultimate universe was that everything was gritty and realistic. When characters die, they die. Yeah. So like, well, a natural conclusion to Peter's arc is becoming Uncle Ben. So he died for Miles to gain inspiration and become Spider-Man. Yeah. But they wanted to change it up and do it differently. So at first, like when Miles gets his powers, he doesn't want to he doesn't want them. Unlike Peter, who immediately abuses them. So Miles doesn't want his powers. He rejects them. And then once Peter dies, he realizes, oh, shit, I need to I need to do something about this. There's something a little bit more layered about uh miles that i think is interesting just in that like i think this got pulled and taken into the mcu in that miles was growing up in a world where superpowers and superheroes in this weird kind of like fourth wall breaking moment like this is the normal you know (laughs) when peter was created you know comic books and superheroes weren't the you know weren't the mass cultural phenomenon that they are now you know there's there's not spider-man movies when peter parker was being invented uh, but when Miles was, you know, Spider-Man's a household name. We knew how, like, pa- Spider-Man is the superhero. Yeah. You know, he's he's the he's the biggest uh, Marvel identity, uh, or, I'm sorry, Marvel property. And so, as Miles says, like, there's already a Spider-Man. There doesn't need to be another one. And I think in some ways it almost feels like an interesting backlash and acknowledgement of, like, that's kind of what people thought Miles would be. He's like, oh, you know, there doesn't need to be this new Spider-Man. We have Peter. You know, we have, why, why do we need someone other than Peter? I remember, like, I remember what that first backlash was, because like, people just thought that Marvel was trying to get like PC points. Mm-hmm. Like, do you remember this? Yes. And then there was like, there was that weird pushback of like, like if if what are we talking about? If we're just gonna make Spider Man black, why don't we just make him gay at the same time? And now uh, we're all like, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, and, and then we're like, <laughs> and even like Andrew Garfield, because at this time, like the Amazing Spider-Man movies are coming out. People are like, what if Spider-Man was gay? And Andrew Garfield was like, yeah, I'm down. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> yeah. And that's like a conversation that's like continued to this day. Even Tom Holland has been like, yeah, why not? Let's let's make Spider-Man gay, <laughs> or buy or you know something, uh, you know LGBTQ esque, just because why not? Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know that's just like kind of fan backlash and naturally a lot of new interpretations are met with hostility and kind of toxic ideas. And because, yeah, because he, you know, because he's an identity that's not white, people will, you know, bigots will come out of that woodwork just to be like, you know, what the hell, what's going on? It's, it's, it's like, it's nonsense. And I just remember thinking that like in review of this story, I wonder if like part of that's baked, like part of that 
part of them baking that into it is like justifying miles like learning to justify his own existence kind of thing and kind of come into his own as spider-man of being like hey i i deserve this you know i i have this role for the same reason that peter did in that i was just a kid that got bit you know that's that's all that qualifies you to be spider-man yeah i mean and you mentioned that and it seems like for most of bendis's run on the character he is trying to prove himself Mm -hmm. and constantly re re trying to like prove himself which gets into like the complicated nature of the concept of miles in general so like Mm -hmm. we mentioned like peter parker died in his universe well like right around this time marvel was also trying to like figure out ways to get the ultimate universe into the main what's called 616 mainstream universe Mm -hmm. so uh, over the course like before that like convergence of those two universes happened um miles is miles's mom is killed yeah rio is (laughs) shot by cops (laughs) Mm -hmm. who are trying to trying to shoot and kill the villain venom Mm -hmm. so that was tragic and then after that uh uncle aaron as as we remember the prowler uh if you saw him into the spider-verse he is killed as well uh supposedly in an explosion and then uh, Miles' dad, Jefferson, uh, disowns him. <laughs> yeah. This all happens in the Bendis run right before the universes converge. And then they give it a soft reset. And mm-hmm. I f- think that, and like this continues to be a pattern where yeah. every couple of years they kind of soft reset this character of Miles. Like um, we were saying, off, I was mentioning to Michael off mic, like Michael's has had like his quote unquote first girlfriend like three times now. So, um, it, it's, it's kind of frustrating to, to mm-hmm. watch this character that, that I, I recognize means a lot to other people. It has a lot of really great qualities to constantly be like set back in terms of like progress story-wise and character-wise. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's always feeling like a burgeoning hero, you know, like he's, he's he has yet to be the Spider-Man who's been around the block kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, even in Ultimate Spider-Man, which was this reimagining of Peter Parker, you know, he quickly slipped into the idea of like, okay, I've been Peter, I've been Spider-Man for a little bit. I have this rogue gallery of villains already. Let's just kind of hop into it. But with Bendis' run in particular, it's interesting because, as we said earlier, it's if evo- I mean, because and kind of like how we talked about with Spider-Verse, it's evocative of a new run and a new take on spider-man but with familiar iconography you know there's the uncle you know there's the uncle who becomes like his motivation for heroism with the exception that instead of you know uncle ben who's kind of this paragon of good uncle aaron's kind of meant to be this like morally gray i would i would argue in his inception more antagonistic Mm -hmm. like he has since they have since been kinder to him uh in future runs he's become more of an anti-hero over time rather than like a villain yeah Mm mm-hmm but like when when you first meet him, he he very much reads as a villain. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I love the idea that when he first meets my or when you first meet see Miles meet him, he, he calls him little man as a term of endearment. Mm-hmm. And when they meet on the fight to like kind of stare at each other, the first thing he says to him like in their costumes is "Hey, little man," uh, to kind of belittle him. And 
I don't know if this was intentional or not, but when Uncle Aaron first shows up in the new run, he calls him Big Man. And I was like, oh, is this intentional? Are we doing this? <laughs> are we are we building? Are we building on canon? That's not accurate anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. I think so. I think our writers are smart enough. I trust them. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like for me, like my frustration is that like I want to see like him have a consistent like a consistent run, like a yeah. re- a really strong establishment. Because mm-hmm. when you think of like Peter Parker's Spider-Man, you're like, who's his crew, right? His crew yeah. is like it's Harry Osborn, Flash Thompson, Mary Jane. And then if you go far back enough, Gwen Stacy, right? Yeah. And I know that like within the last like 20 years, they've really tried hard to to reinvent Peter um, in the main universe. But um, yeah. it hasn't quite worked out. Nobody wants to see Peter become Mark Zuckerberg. Um, <laughs> <laughs> For good reason. I, yeah. you know, I think that's I think that's a bad take on that character. Yeah. Anyway, this this episode is not about Peter. It's about Miles. And, and what I think is really great about Miles and what we've talked about before in the past is uh, his dynamic with Genki. Yes. <laughs> Who Bendis, uh, as a writer, adores, of course. Like, yes. he loves having, like, a pop cultural references and really fast, like, nerdy quips. So Genki mm-hmm. was, like, his ego for that, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Or his id. We know I what for- you mean. Yeah, you know what we I mean. We know what you mean. Yeah. We know yeah. what you mean. One of those. It's, yeah. Genki is, like, one character, um, and I know we talked about this when we were talking about how you know, Genki got lifted into the MCU as a Ned Flanders. But like, mm-hmm. I think Genki represents an interesting note of Miles too. Mm-hmm. And like, and specifically Bendis' run that quickly differentiates him from Peter is that Miles has a community. Like Miles has his parents that constantly know about his secret. He has Genki. You know, he has people who know that he's Spider-Man. And he has like S.H.I.E.L.D. Like Peter Parker is often defined as a loner. Like, you mm-hmm. know, someone who's kind of like him against the world kind of thing. He's struggling to take care of his aunt. That's really not Miles. Miles has people in his corner um, in a way that Peter didn't, mm-hmm. um, even though in, in some ways Peter pushes people away. And I think that that is something that is interesting to note because like it is leaning to the idea of like kind of what we talked about. And I think this got like taken and made better in Spider-Verse of like, yes, what if we embrace the idea that what if you didn't have to keep your identity a secret? What if you could just kind of you know, what if you had this small knit group of people that almost feels a little bit more relatable in a way mm-hmm. because it's acknowledging that you do have people in your life? Mm-hmm. You know, it might only be your nerdy best friend, mm-hmm. but that's still something. Uh, and for that reason, I do. I, I That's the reason I love Genki. Um, maybe it's just because their dynamic reminds me of you and me. <laughs> Ayo, how's it going? <laughs> Yes. But no, I think I think him having that best friend and also like a non-antagonistic best friend, because with, you know, with Harry, we're all just waiting for Harry to turn into Green Goblin, right? Yeah. Harry, Harry's kind of a dick. Yeah. Peter, Peter Parker's kind of a bad friend, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It is. It is like that antagonistic rivalry. And like in and, you know, to the credit of. I guess the recent years in comics, they changed that like Harry is very much like a a devoted friend to peter mm-hmm. even though peter is still a bad friend um <laughs> <laughs> but yeah you're totally right about this like aspect of community within miles's storytelling like that does differentiate him from peter greatly 
because like we mentioned, like everyone knows his secret, especially after they reboot it and reconversion to the new universes. They recon Rio and um, uh, Uncle Aaron's deaths. So Mm -hmm. uh, so the new story is that Miles's dad knows that he's Spider-Man. Uncle Aaron knows that he's Spider-Man, but Rio doesn't. So Mm -hmm. when Rio does find out, she feels betrayed by the family, you know, usual comic book drama. They come back together. Everything's fine. Yeah. But it also like reestablishes Aaron as like a primary antagonist uh, and villain towards the end of Bendis's run because Bendis carried him over into the conversion of the universes. It it place it places an interest. And and, like, I think that that conflict is very interesting Mm -hmm. for Miles is like, you know, he really wants this figure of authority and father figure and guiding figure to to come to his moral level, mm-hmm. you know, and trying to fight that and convince him of that, especially someone whose family, you know, the added drama of that, like that's very compelling. And Bendis ends the run with Miles partially breaking through to him. Yeah. Which is another thing that doesn't really happen in comic books. No. Which, you know, is once again, bravo to Brian Michael Bendis as a writer. Um, no, <laughs> no news here. Um, but like he, he understands that characters need to grow and evolve. Yeah. Um, even if <laughs> the universe that be um, is fighting against him, he still is trying to make it work. Yeah. Uh, it's like. It's interesting. Like I know we keep making comparisons and I think there's comparisons to be made with Peter in very specific ways in trying to like kind of tell the same story, but through a different lens. In that, like, if if Peter's whole thing was that he failed his one father figure in a, in a pivotal moment, it's that Miles's father figures keep failing him. Yeah, uh, and and that itself is like very indicative of their dynamic. You know, My- Miles is reaching out for love this whole time, and he's never getting it in a way in which you know Uncle Ben reached out to Peter, and Peter kind of batted his hand away. You know, mm-hmm. if, especially if we're going with, con- I mean, like. Uncle Ben's storyline kind of gets turned into different versions of itself all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, there's even a version where Sandman was the one that killed uh, Uncle Ben. Mm-hmm. Uh, why? Because unnecessary retcons. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, bad Raimi movie aside. Um, I think with, with Miles, it's interesting how... I think this is a little unfair because I think Rio really never gets her due. Like... Uncle Aaron and Jefferson are both like almost complete characters with their own arcs completely alongside Miles. Like they've been mm-hmm. really integral parts to like they're like Norman Osborn almost because you know they're they're they are villains for a good chunk of his run. Um even his dad is mostly an antagonistic force for a good chunk of it. But like you fully know why they are the way they are, and you're like you're kind of invested in their like antagonistic psyche and specifically their relationship to miles mm-hmm. the only difference is he's actually family he's not just like this weird adoptive dad yeah something that's interesting um about this is noting that like i mean bendis who created this story is not african-american uh no. he is not latinx no nope. um he's white <laughs> He's very. He might be the whitest man. <laughs> look up. Look up a picture of Brian Michael Bendis. He's very white. Yes. Um, 
So, like, as you're talking about, like, this idea of, like, father figures failing Miles, I can't help but feel like that almost follows something of a racist stereotype. Yeah, I I, I think there's something there, right? Um, Which is why, like, and, and, like, it's compelling storytelling for, like, in this one instance, but when you think about it in the grand narrative of, of stories of, of black men, you think, oh, oh, that's kind of problematic. Yeah. So, when Bendis... Before going deeper into that, like before, you know, before making that even more problematic than it can be, you know, after Bendis ends the run, um, uh, Saladin Ahmed and Javier Garon uh, take over as uh, storytellers. Yeah. And I think it really, I think they take it in a really interesting direction in the way like these father figures play a role in Miles's life because your first major run uh, is Michael, I mean, Michael fuck <laughs> is miles um oh thank you <laughs> you're welcome um well <laughs> wait to let me finish the sentence but it's okay. where it's where miles gets tortured by white people <laughs> <laughs> let me finish that sentence bud <laughs> um miles gets abducted and tortured by what's very clearly a white supremacist organization or coded to be that way and then Jefferson and Aaron come together to try and save Miles because that's what unites them. Jefferson ultimately care. I mean, um, Aaron ultimately, even though he has been antagonistic in the past, he genuinely does love Miles as his own son, even though he's his uncle, right? Yeah. And that concept of like family devotion and and fatherhood, like in um in issue nine of the Miles Morales colon Spider Man run, like it's I think it's fantastic. Like watching uh-huh. that dynamic go back and forth between the two of them as yeah. they save Miles. Yeah. Miles doesn't save them. Like they're saving him. Yeah. They have truly bonded and come together in this kind of like true showing of community while also acknowledging there being some friction between them. But like, you know, we can unite. We can come together when there's this kind of common enemy between us kind of thing because there is a common enemy at work here. You know, it is this like common enemy of a of white supremacy kind of thing that's now hurting the next generation in this, you know, in this metaphor being miles yep. and then coming, it, it, it feels good. Like the, you know, these two brothers coming together and saving, uh, you know, the person that matters most to them in this case, it being miles. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's, it's as someone who, lo- you know, I love family storytelling. You know, I love the idea that, you know, just cause you know, it's not your kid, but it's your kid kind of thing. I really like that issue too. Uh, it's also just a, cool set piece of them busting miles out yeah and it like breaks my heart a little bit when miles looks at them and he's like oh is this another test like are you are you fucking with me again yeah and they have to you know very and they very warmly hold him and it's like oh yes we also get a good amount of like tender uh masculine affection oh yeah sweet it's very nice uh i think it's very warm and i agree like specifically about your points with bendis uh, I was just talking with someone about how, like, I think Bendis's run on Miles is it's like representation with a lower car- lowercase r, <laughs> because I, it's like as someone is like as someone who who like gets it, like there's a lot of things that do touch on this idea that like oh there's you know there is failing you know like failing father figures is a thing within you know brown communities you know whether you be Latinx or black or whatever kind of thing. They're like, I specifically relate to the only problem is the way it's coded here is like Aaron is a failing father figure because he breaks the law 
when that's not really what the problem is. There's a way of portraying like the the the, the failings of kind of like uh, people who've been victims of kind of uh, cycles of violence and how that kind of continues onto people with a certain amount of nuance and compassion that allows, you know, Aaron and Davis to both be complicated people because it's very much dividing them into like the uh, the one became a crook, one became a cop kind of thing. Yeah. And the problem is ones that were very forgiving of cops and we're not at all, you know, like sympathetic towards criminals kind of thing. You know, here we are, 2020. Uh. <laughs> yes. And, it, and it, it, of course, like this is all the time. You know, this was happening long before but this is just now getting attention now, uh, unfortunately. You know, it's easy to compare this to Hamilton, uh, another piece of media that we did an episode on, where mm -hmm. in like, you know, Hamilton came out in the Obama era. It was being written long before it came out. And when mm -hmm. it did, it came across as revolutionary because of the representation that it brought. But at the end of the day, when you realize that you are having black men portray slave owners, you and you aren't really addressing that within the context of it, it kind of feels off. <laughs> yeah, it's it's lackluster representation. Yeah. Um. So here we are now with the early, you know, what's also Miles Morales as a concept is uh, an Obama. It, it's an Obama era um, symbol, I would say. Yeah. Um. It's a byproduct of assimilation as a good thing. Mm -hmm. And that if you just conform to societal standards like, you know, Jefferson Davis, which might I remind you, Jefferson Davis is the name of the Confederate president, the one and only Confederate president. Mm -hmm. So, you know, maybe think about your naming, Brian Michael Bendis. <laughs> think about it for just a second, sir. Just think about it for a second. Um, it's preaching this kind of like if you, and once again, like that's how you could be critical of this kind of like failing father figure who's pushing Miles to assimilate and be like, hey, you have to be on the straight and narrow your whole life. And like portraying that with a certain level of compassion and, and complexity, I don't think uh, Bendis did. Uh, because we are supposed to be very non-critical of him as a police officer or a shield agent or whatever kind of thing. Um, and yeah, of course, like that's just, and I, maybe I'm just, once again, I'm, I'm extra sensitive to that. Because that's like also specifically the experience I had growing up too. And that's like why I relate to Miles of like, you have to be on the straight and narrow or else, like, people will not give you the benefit of the doubt. And once again, there's a storyline there that Bendis just doesn't tap into. Um, even the thing of, like, Miles having to deal with his anger. Like, once again, get it. Totally get it. Uh, but we're not really contextualizing what it means to be an angry brown man totally. It's just kind of Miles dealing with being angry. Mm -hmm. And, it, like, it needed a little bit more of authenticity and compassion that I don't think Bendis could do. And so it, it falls flat a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, despite the fact that, you know, when I was reading it as a kid, I was like, oh, yes, like, I, I love this. I, like, it feels like, you know, uh, I just got done telling Joe, like, this. there's so many moments during Miles' run that feel like they're written just for me because I'm like, oh, I love this kind of mm -hmm. thing. Yeah. Um, and Bendis was a good starting point. Um, yeah. and, and the baton has been passed, and it seems like it's been carried on pretty well. Yeah, for the totally. most part. You were off mic. You were telling me about some of the stuff that's in this new run, which admittedly I have not read. Uh, that's been really, uh, you know, emotionally resonant with you. Yeah. Notably, just in that, like, Miles coat swaps a lot now, in that, like, he speaks Spanish. He uses, like, 
he uses proper slang terminology now. He's just a lot cooler than he'd felt before. The new run seems to be um, written from a more personal perspective. Yeah, or at least a more knowledgeable and notable one. Yeah. Uh, even down to their designs. Like before, you know, Miles kind of had a a shaved head, but now he's got like this sick-ass fade that's going on. Well, initially they tried to design him to look kind of like um, Donald Glover. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, no, totally. Uh, but I think like he he just has a he has a great style to him now. Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot of thought put into his character design. You know, mm-hmm. and, and, and this is true of all his friends mm-hmm. too. And I think that this is like, uh, unfortunately, this is also kind of getting at what I think. You were talking about earlier in that, like, Miles never had a partner for a long amount of time because he keeps getting rebooted. Mm -hmm. Like, there's a weird thing with Miles where he gets shipped with a lot of people. Yeah. And, like, despite him getting shipped with, like, Spider-Gwen or Bombshell or uh, Miss Marvel, Mm -hmm. like, he always ends up, like, in his run, like, 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 basically, like, trying to court some, like, no-name character. Like, in this run, like, it's, I think her name is Barbara Rodriguez. Yeah. And she kind of gets some characterization, but largely that storyline doesn't really go anywhere. That's picked up from the latter part of Bendis' run. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she's just like, she's just like a girl. Like, it, like that's, boom, that's her whole character. She's just a girl. Well, <laughs> if Spider-Man comics have learned anything, they know what to do with girl, characters who are just girls. Oh, God, I hate it. I hate it. <laughs> no no oh god no which is like i i I feel like this is just kind of what we're talking about the whole time in that like miles's biggest problem is that he's still being written by a large corporation like for as much as we love spider-man i love spider-man's my favorite hero ever uh he's still being written by marvel and marvel is still a a huge corporation that won't let them do anything too radical with his character you know like they do they do good things in this run where like they have you know, Miles uh, speak Spanish to, 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 to gang members and have them be like, hey, the cops are going to show up. You should go the other way so you don't get in trouble kind of thing. Or, hey, Rhino, let me help you so you don't have to, like, kind of, like, go busting down doors. Like, let me get like let me get the root of what the reason you're causing crime, because Miles is meant to be more sympathetic to the criminals that are in his, like, rogues gallery. Like, I get what they're trying to do, but this is as close as we can get, because at the end of the day, you know... We still have to. Uh, we still want to have a very black and white storyline. The only way that something like something would hit like a deeper thematic level like that is if one there's a, mat- a radical change within the Marvel HQ mm-hmm. and their branding, or two they do like a different kind of like imprint, like what DC does with like their black label stuff. Yeah, they did have a recent one where it's like uh, uh, Miles Morales: The End. Where a lot of superheroes have died. I've only read part of it. I haven't read the whole thing. I have not read it yet. That's like been on my like super, (laughs) we will get to this one day and you'll have a lot of feelings about it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, Just not yet kind of thing. But I have heard that's also good. Mm -hmm. Uh, But like back to kind of what you were saying about his, is his partner. It's unfortunate that he doesn't, he doesn't, but like, cause it's even like Peter had Mary Jane. He had Gwen Stacy. But that's what I, but that's what I was referring to earlier is like if they're really like if they're not trying to like go anywhere interesting, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Marvel were to just repeat, repeat what they did with Gwen Stacy. 
You think you think they'd just kill off whoever he's dating kind of thing? I think they would try to like, they'd be like, oh, look at that. It's just like Peter. You know, mm-hmm. that's what I'm saying. And it would be a shame because like you already stated before, Rio isn't a large character. The female characters in his world are underdeveloped for the most part. Bombshell got some interesting work, I would say. Yeah. Um, when Bendis was writing. Yeah, unless they are like a specifically a superhero property outside of him. Yeah. Like Miss Marvel or Spider Gwen, they don't get that work. You know, Rio really did. Rio really gets done dirty. Like, mm-hmm. uh, I love I love the small bits of character they give her. Uh, it works for me. She looks like my mom. I love Rio, but she does not get any real characterization other than just you know loving mom. And which you know not to say you know loving mom characters are fine, but also like even Aunt May had a certain level of characterization to her. Like, I think most runs make it so that Aunt May is not blood-related to Peter. Uncle Ben was the one who was related to his uh, his parents or his dad or whatever. Well, yeah, it's Ben Parker. Yeah. And so Aunt May's mm-hmm. not, like, his, like, blood aunt. And so there's a little bit of, like, oh, you know, you lost, you both lost this person. And, but even so, you're still a family kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, you know, yes. I am your mom, even though I'm your aunt kind of thing. And mm-hmm. there's a little bit of something there. A little bit of something. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then there's also like, I'm in later issues. I mean, post uh, one more day. Um, oh, boy. Which uh, we're getting real deep into the nerd dumb here, guys. Um, yeah. uh, please, but, if you've been hold, if you haven't only read comic books and you're just listening along, thank you so much. We have talked about so much comic book nonsense. <laughs> Yes. Um, but anyway, um, in the more recent runs for Peter Parker, May May has been expanded to like she does, you know, community activism. Mm-hmm. Um, she works for the homeless shelter. Um, yes. She has uh, a sex life, um, <laughs> <laughs> including she- but not limited to J. Jonah Jameson's dad. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. Um, <laughs> Dr. Octopus. Yes, she also dated Dr. Octopus. Um, which is weird when Dr. Octopus took over Peter's body. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, y- yikes. Um, <laughs> oh, shit. Go back. Go back. One more day. One more day. One more... <sighs> oh, my God. Anyway. Um, yeah, it's, we're getting it's off just... the rails here. Oh, yeah. I mean, we. it's just it's just because we're just we're swinging off the rails. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I think with all of this. In terms of in terms of just like everything, so I have so many thoughts about uh, Miles and that kind of thing, but I'm I'm curious to hear from you, Joe, mm-hmm. uh, as someone who's kind of been reading Miles as just a Spider-Man fan yeah. in his uh, in his own right. Uh, what like specific parts of his run have you found the most intriguing uh, for you? I mean, the most intriguing, and you know, coincidentally, um, it's the stuff that I read the least is just the um, the newest Miles Morales colon Spider-Man run. Um, mm-hmm. While I'm not a fan of the title, I like the fact yeah. that Spider-Man was just Spider-Man. Like I, I, um, I read issue nine. I just, I don't know why. I just picked it up, because um, <laughs> that happens, and, and I was like hooked. I'm like, I love what they're doing with the the two father figures and relationship to Miles and how, um, like you said before, like the interesting one of the more interesting aspects of this Spider-Man is. You know, because his close circle knows his identity, um, that makes his challenges different than Peter's. 
right? Mm-hmm. And I'm interested to see what those look like. So yeah, and of course I love the Genki dynamic. You know, having yeah. having a nerdy best friend who just talks and talks and talks. That's that's me. I love Genki. <laughs> um, <laughs> surprisingly enough, I find like when Peter Parker is interjected into the storyline, it's less interesting. Yeah. Cause there was a point in time where like when the universe is collided, like, Oh, the ultimate version of Peter Parker was alive. Mm-hmm. Supposedly. Maybe it was a yeah. clone. Like yeah. I hated yeah. that. I fucking hated yeah. that storyline. Yeah, like, get that shit out of here. <laughs> like, I don't know why, like, honestly, I think the only reason why is they were, was like Marvel as a, like the only reason I could fathom this happening um maybe i'm wrong but marvel as a corporation was like fuck after this whole thing now that miles is in here like people aren't gonna want to read miles comics because there's peter parker comics so we need to grab their attention real quickly uh guess peter parker's alive uh ultimate peter parker's <laughs> alive uh, this will get people to read it and um yeah. it, it, i mean i bought it um but <laughs> 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 but but like but like it it, it was dumb like why like this was miles's motivation to become a hero why would you bring him back to life yeah like it made sense and bendis even said it as in his last issue he's like it made sense for peter parker to die as uncle ben Mm-hmm. why the fuck would we bring him back and like the only way okay um let me for, let me uh it. pop off fans please indulge me into my uh ultimate nerd dumb i think really what this is is marvel execs are really jerking themselves off <laughs> and trying <laughs> okay. trying to relive their fantasy of peter parker having a happy ending because mm-hmm. for those of you who don't know peter parker was supposed to be done being spider-man in the 90s mm-hmm. um there was this infamous infamous um comic book arc called the clone saga um oh, it lasted many years and it was convoluted and it's complicated and that's all i'm gonna say about it but the ultimate goal of that comic book arc was that peter parker was going to quit being spider-man and they were gonna he was gonna hand the baton off to a clone named ben riley who found his own mm-hmm. motivation yeah. um peter parker was gonna live happily ever after married with mj and have kids um but Marvel execs changed and writers changed and the saga got even more convoluted over multiple years. And eventually that didn't happen. And I feel like, um, especially with one of the more recent one-off issues or one-off series of limited series of Spider-Man where Peter Parker does live through his whole life and he does quit being Spider-Man for a long time and have a happy life with MJ. Um, I mm-hmm. feel like this is just a Marvel execs continuing to like relive that fantasy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's why they brought Peter back, and that's why he ended up with an with Ultimate MJ, and they yeah. went away together. Yeah, I'm not a fan of it. <laughs> it, it, it doesn't make any sense because it's you're not allowing your characters to grow and change and become something new, mm-hmm. or even let some like it's like just like think about what we've done with like how many think of how many flashes there are. Right, like you know, Barry Allen went away, and he was away for a while. Mm-hmm. You know, while Wally West was the Flash. Mm-hmm. I mean, of course, they're all back now, and we have fucking million flashes and whatever. But for a while, that was the continuity. But like with with because like it's just because you know it's just because Peter is you know Peter you know people get hung up on the idea that not only is Spider Man like attached to Peter, but also there can be no. It's like it's either that like Peter Parker is the best Spider-Man or there could be no Spider-Man without him. 
when like it feels like we keep getting around to the idea that anybody could do it yeah. and like we almost just need to take that and be like fine let's just totally commit to it and almost let peter go away for a little bit mm-hmm. you know and i think that that's what miles is in so many ways like i do think i do think when peter shows up it's cute because it's like oh you're you know it's you're seeing because for miles it's seeing like oh you're the, you're the guy you're you know you're my mm-hmm. you're it's it's you're, you mean you're I'm hero. seeing my role model. Yeah, I'm, mm-hmm. just, I'm meeting Uncle Ben again. You know. <laughs> yeah. Um. But like that that kitschy thing, it doesn't serve Miles at the end of the day, and that's no. like mo- what's mostly frustrating. No. Is like this yeah. is this is not serving the character. This is just I don't know serving your own fantasies. Hmm. Yeah, and that's like that's I mean I guess that's why I wish so like like there's there'd be such a shift in how we and this is like obviously the larger this is a larger problem than Spider Man. This is just a larger problem with comic books and monikers and titles that kind of get associated along with it. But it, it's one of those things where I do wish that they would allow Miles to shift in this various way. Because I do think these changes that are made to him, specifically in this run, are really fucking good. I love, you know, I love his design. I love the way, you know, his like voice is being written. Miles feels so cool now. Like Miles has like a, Miles has like a, a very like kind of like awkward like teen almost like like chill coolness to him that he didn't quite have when Bendis was writing him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think in one of my favorite scenes, he's, he's talking to a little boy and it very much feels like, oh yes, like I am, I'm technically, I'm, he's 100% acting, performing for this little kid in that like, oh, hey, I'm Spider-Man and I'm going to kind of impress you a little bit. But it's also like the impact and power dynamic he's living in. You know, he, he yeah. has the ability to lift up this like small little kid who's having a bad day. And that's like kind of the wholesome message of this character, you know, like Miles can do the same thing Peter did just for a next generation kind of thing, yeah. you know, because he is Spider-Man at the end of the day. And I think that that is something we forget when we have the, you know, like, like you said, when we have titles like Miles Morales, Spider-Man, you know, uh, it feels a little bit like backpedaling on the idea that he is just Spider-Man right now. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't have to justify Miles' exist- Miles's existence anymore. Yeah. Uh, when it feels like that's a lot of what we do yeah um especially because he's part of his own teams and whatnot right now he's part of like side comic books yeah he's in uh he's in champions oh champions champions is a really really fun concept Mm -hmm. um (laughs) teen superheroes teen superheroes we all love it we love teen titans we love young justice uh Mm -hmm. champions is another version of that but before like the champ like the champion's title under marvel was not like a teen superhero it was like some random thing many many years ago oh, yeah but they rebooted it after after their civil war sequel mm-hmm. um crossover event mm-hmm. one that like prominently featured miles as well yeah and and hindsight has an interesting tone i think i mean i think it's bad like like let's not once again this and and you know who was you know who was who was pitching that bendis oh like (laughs) bendis basically wrote a storyline where it's like okay what if one side what if miss marvel you know army propagandaist uh miss marvel was like what if we just profiled everyone and then like rich billionaire half woke tony stark was like what if we didn't and it's like whoa conflict (laughs) and then mile gets thrown in, in the middle of it because he's like because because some uh some kid is like hey i saw him killing captain america and everyone's like stop him 
Well, it wasn't some kid. It was the, the he was the um, um he was a MacGuffin. Yeah, I, I he know. Was, he, <laughs> yeah, he's he's plot he's boy. Plot boy. <laughs> he could see the future, and the future always happened. And he saw that Miles would kill Captain America. So like Miles and Cap mm-hmm. like meet up, and Cap's like, "You're gonna kill me," and he's like, "No," and he's like, "Yeah, I thought so." But like people still mm-hmm. were like th- felt threatened by Miles. So like at the end of the day, it's you know the it, it was a kitschy way to to show uh racial profiling and miles even says i can't breathe yeah yeah and, and like that's the problem with bendis's whole approach to it is like he's definitely he it's like he hears what's going on in the world but he doesn't he like falls just so short of it and i think that that's like why it's not just important to have right like to have characters that are uh representative of uh minority groups but also to have writers who work on them so they can kind of just it's like just that extra level of compassion and knowledgeable and intentional writing that makes for like the very minute differences of that because mm-hmm. i do think like it's like because at that time captain america was a hydra has a hydra agent right yes that was during all the hail yes. hydra stuff so i think that like there's supposed to be a subtext there of like miles could have killed captain america because of that but that, like, that's never really talked about, and I don't know if that was intentional or not, because, like, whether or not it was supposed to be a mistake. And it's ultimately, like, it's just, it's not the same, and it, it I don't know if it works as well as Bendis thinks it does. And I don't know what we're meant to make of the fact that, like, is it really fair to have a civil war between superheroes where half of them are, like, yes, profiling, and half of them are being, like, no, not profiling? Like, profiling's bad, everyone. Do we need to have this conversation? <laughs> I mean, you... You know what yes, I mean? Yes, um, <laughs> I do. Right now, I'm, like, rake, you know, racking my brain to, like, what was the first Civil War about? It was, like, identity, right? Like, basically, like, superheroes had to be registered. Yeah. With the government? Yeah, registered with the government. We would have to do, like, a... We'd have to read the comic and see, like, how it's contextualized between when it was written, which was probably during early 2000s Bush administration. Yeah. It's like Patriot kind of stuff, probably alluding to yeah. that. But like, I don't know. Like, once again, like, I guess to reiterate your point of like how it's like a non-issue, the concept of like identities within the Marvel Universe, like the whole point of superhero identities is that they are vigilantes. They're outlaws. Like that's like they will not be cops, um, <laughs> even mm-hmm. if sometimes yeah. they stand in for them, like a la Green Lantern. Yeah. But like, um, <laughs> totally. No, like, th- once again, it's a non-issue, and I think that's just the problem with the legacy of Civil War as a whole. But anyway, yeah, um, Miles, we we got off track. We we were supposed to be talking about Miles in um in Champions, yes, and his characterization there. What do you think of it, Michael? Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's good because the storyline is definitely using division during this time to tell a story. And obviously, I am very charitable towards these small groups of kids who are learning to think at this time of being like, hey, our mentor figures were all for profiling and like they kind of suck. So what if we just went and did our own thing and made our own identity separate from them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So like, I'm totally down for that. I love this idea. I love that Miss Marvel is the leader of the group uh, because she's the best. (laughs) And I I like that Spider-Man's like, Obviously, because he's such he's such a name that like I love that he is relatively toned down in Champions. Like he's not like it's not like the Spider Man and Friends comic books, kind of like how Wolverine becomes Wolverine in the yeah. X Men. 
Like he's kind of he's he, he feels like he's just enough there, but like he doesn't distract mm-hmm. from it. He's kind of just like in that way in which like in, in team up in team books and crossover events, characters can kind of start to feel like a bit of a caricature of themselves. Yeah, I guess like if I guess if I were to be critical of it, Miles kind of feels like a little bit of just like, a, oh, he's just kind of like we need a wisecracking. We need a Spider-Man type. <laughs> and what did you know it? His name is Spider-Man. <laughs> and we have a Spider-Man. Uh, but then they also get good stuff of like. Uh, when they're all watching uh, Avatar: The Last Airbender oh, together, I love that. and and uh, he's talking about Uncle Iroh, and and Miles is like, yeah, all that stuff about responsibility and honor. Uh, I'm still figuring that out a little mm-hmm. bit. <laughs> and it's like for Miles, who's Spider-Man specifically, like, oh yes, that makes perfect sense. Like he would latch on to that stuff in this like like pop culture phenomenon that mm-hmm. they're watching. It's very yes. cute. Uh, but what what about you? Yeah, I mean, I already kind of like touched upon it. I felt like he he kind of was something of a character caricature of himself. Um, because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, Champions is like a book that's about youth coming into their own, dealing with the political issues at hand of our society, and trying to work their way through them. Mm-hmm. And like Miles, yeah. who's already kind of like a fledgling character, is is also trying to work through that. So it seems like they made him like moldable to the situation and it made it makes sense that that it it came about that way but nonetheless it was still entertaining to read mhm cuz like you said before like ms marvel is a lead is great mhm one would even argue like ms marvel is like also a spider-man s character yeah in the way that her story is written it feels it feels a lot like classic 60s spider-man where her villains are ridiculous and her problems are very small scale and i I would say that that's kind of what this new run of spider-man very much feels like at times oh yeah it's like oh i mean there's like an episode that's basically ferris bueller's day off but with spider-man hijinks it's you you gotta read it it's so good (laughs) i will probably need to collect it then but back back to the champions thing like it's it's interesting to think about uh miles in relation to the other characters like like we already talked we already touched upon ms marvel there's also vid vision the vision um there is hulk there is um hulk mm-hmm. who is a kid um <laughs> it's a different it's not bruce banner yeah amadeus amadeus cho he's also a genius he's in love with viv for a bit um <laughs> and then they also have nova nova Little Nova. Nova, who I think was probably the longest standing. I mean, aside from like Cyclops, who is like a version of himself from the past displaced in our present time. Mm-hmm. Right. He was on the team. Yeah. That was like for Comic a bit. Comic books are stupid. What? <laughs> Comic books are fucking stupid. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. I, who are you? Uh, I'm Cyclops from the past who came here to the future through time magic. I hate everything you just said. <laughs> That's an actually Michael just actually quoted the comics. Um, <laughs> that that is in the Champions comic, and it's a great line. <laughs> and <laughs> oh man, yeah. comic books are stupid. They're stupid. Um, so comic books are stupid. Um, and one of my long held beliefs, uh, and I'm not sure if maybe you or your brother Kyle mentioned it, but like comic books are ultimately soap operas. Yeah. They're just the longest running soap operas. Oh yeah. 
Yeah, so my evil cousin is now a supervillain, and they just happened to move in with me. Um, oh, it's the worst. But they don't know I'm the hero. <laughs> oh, it's the worst. It's the worst. And I still and need like, to make it to my date. Ah, <laughs> um, oh, yeah, dang. Yeah, if I'm not dealing with if with romance drama while having to fight a superhero while trying to do my homework, man, like, what's the, what's the point, man? <laughs> That's that good shit. <laughs> Gotta cross three streams of drama, man. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And that's just like, it's, it's that good level of questioning what is it, what does it mean to be a youth in this time period for this specific identity? And, you know, in Miles's case, it's being, you know, a young, uh, Afro Latinx, um, like boy, a teenager and like growing up and what is like, what is, and navigating the world in this way. And I think that that's why it's so important that he has the writer he does now. And that writes him with a lot of compassion and even though it's still under the constraints of Marvel, and, you know, that means that, as uh, I think my brother mentioned it today, like, you know, superheroes are in this, superheroes in this weird, like, like, superhero fiction is very black and white, mm-hmm. but also, like, vigilante stories are also, like, crime stories, and in crime stories, there's supposed to be a level of grayness, mm-hmm. and because superhero stories are black and white, there's they don't always blend very well. It leads to the, you know rounding down readings of problems mm-hmm. of you know you know but i do like the idea where they're headed of miles basically helping people from where they're at mm-hmm. uh which is cool uh, i look forward to this new run and everything that's associated with it um yeah uh, i have one more question for you joe sure uh if you ship miles with any character which character would it be like out of out of any character you can think of. We even got some Miles Genki fans. I was, I was just about to say, I'm like, there was, and like Bendis acknowledged it. Like, you know, like Bendis made jokes about it. It's like, people think like Miles and I are like gay. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and it's like, I'm not, there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> yeah. The connections grow deeper too, because Joe, how many times have we been mistaken for a couple? This is true. So, I mean, like, I guess in that sense, like, Genki would be like (laughs) like legitimately um i guess when i was first reading champions i was like oh maybe like miles and ms marvel but like no it is more fun when they're friends Mm -hmm. Um, i agree and there's like almost like something of like a friendly rivalry between them Mm -hmm. Uh, at least when they first met i thought that that Mm -hmm. was fun um the spider gwen thing like is is gwen stacy technically in the same universe now did that happen i have no I idea. Have, yeah. to check up. It's basically once uh, similar to Miles, um, Spider Gwen Gwen Stacy's run was um, um, rebooted and and adjusted multiple times. Um, so mm-hmm. I lost track after the first reboot. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I'm 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 gonna say um, Miles and Genki. What about you? <laughs> I mean, like it's one of those things where it's like I also like Miles. Uh, and Genki as friends and it's like not a it's like if we want to give Miles a boyfriend 100% I don't know if Genki is the is the perfect partner for him um, would you rather go with uh with gold balls oh oh gold ball oh, maybe, maybe. <laughs> but it's kind of weird <laughs> now because in the new X-Men universe gold balls is technically a deity really yeah do you know Okay, we're, no, we're going on another comic book t- side tangent. You're you're oh, in boy. for a treat in this episode, folks. Yeah. <laughs> so with the new reboot of X Men, you know how like basically the X Men can't die. 
Yeah. They keep being reborn. They're reborn in golden eggs that's made by gold balls. So he's a part of the de- he's a part of the he's basically been deified because he's a part of the rebirth process. Wild, huh? What he's been throwing at everyone this entire time have been mutant um eggs. Yay. <laughs> what? Yep. Oh my god. Comic books are nuts. <laughs> Comic books are ridiculous, y'all. All this to say. <laughs> I, I'm down uh, for that too. I'm here. I'm here. Yeah. I'm, I'm here for that ship. Please continue yep. with your shipping. Uh I just I I mean I, I guess I'm basic in that I was just gonna say Spider Gwen. Yeah. Uh and this time I think it it's cute in the ways in which like because we're expanding this idea of spider people. And because Miles is such a character that that is synonymous with community, it would be cute for him to date someone within that kind of spider community. And also just like they they make for that cute, uh, you know, like Miles is kind of a soft boy and Spider-Gwen's kind of action girl. Like, you know, I, I like I like I also like Tim Drake and Stephanie Brown. Like Nice. You know, it, it's a it's a cute uh, it's a cute archetype. And I like how it's uh, accentuated through them. Um, so, yeah. Very simple answer, but here we are. Uh, and I just love Miles. So whoever he ends up with, I'm sure I'll love them too. I mean, he's technically with um, um Barbara. Not really right now. Oh, but that's you know we could save that for uh, we could save that for off mic uh, <laughs> off mic comic book relationship talk. That's our next podcast. <laughs> <laughs> our next episode is going to be only about shipping in the Spider Man universe. <laughs> I'm here to ship Spider-Man and Deadpool. Peter Parker and Deadpool. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, thank you all for listening. This has been a fun tangent on one of our uh, favorite superheroes. Uh, we're looking forward to doing another Spider-Person next week. And continuing this little, like, this little saga into our own, our own Pop the Culture Spider-Verse thing we're tackling here. Pop the Spider-Verse. Pop the Spider-Verse. That's, we found a title, folks. Pop the Spider-Verse. <laughs> pop the Spider-Verse. Pop the Spider-Culture. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Thank you all very much for listening. Uh, and we will talk to you all next week. Bye. Bye. All right. Thank you very much for listening to another episode of Pop the Culture Podcast. You can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And if you want to keep the conversation going, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also email us any of your thoughts or questions at poptheculturePod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. I'd love to thank our PR guy, Joseph Tomlin. And I'd like to thank our editor, Michael Ruiz. <laughs> and I have been your host, Michael Ruiz. You can find me at twitter.com at next underscore entry and the video essays I write on my YouTube channel, Next Entry. I have also been your host, Joseph Tomlin. You can find me on twitter.com and instagram at joke tomlin that is j-o-u-k-t-o-m-l-i-n thanks again for listening everyone